0: Tonight on Whiskey Waffle.
1: Makes me think walking into a uh, room in a caravan park in the 90s. Is this a perfectly acceptable coffer, or is this just merely better than English whiskey? Appropriately for Glen Groin, these are the cock feathers. That's this episode on Whiskey Waffle, the podcast.
0: I mean, cast. Good evening, good evening, good evening, fellow wafflers, or indeed good morning, depending on the time of day which you are listening to this. Good, good miss? Yeah, yeah. I think brunch is a great time to listen to Whiskey Waffle. Hmm, hmm
1: definitely. Yeah, yeah, bust yeah. bust out a little dram. Love it, love it.
0: Um anyway, welcome to the Whiskey Waffle Podcast. My name is Nick. My name is Ted. And it's uh it's been way, way too long.
1: Yeah, well it's been way, way too long for us. It's not been that long since you last heard from us, but it's been a long time since we actually got together for a waffle sesh ourselves
0: because because, well, I mean, not just me, we've both been away. We have been on holidays. Yeah, on our independent holidays, um, much to the delight of our wives. We didn't <laughs> yeah. go off and leave them and go off on yeah. a romantic getaway together. <laughs> I know, this quite often happens. Uh, no, so um, I've been on a trip over to the continent. Hmm, Australia. Continent. yeah, yeah. <laughs> The mainland. Uh, yes, yes. Always, always bugged me as a kid when people said, "I'm going to Australia today." It's like, no, you're not. You're going to the mainland. Yeah. Yep. Um, where have you been, Ted? I have been to the eastern state. All <laughs> right. So, um, yes, you're describing Europe as Australia, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now you're describing New Zealand as Australia as well. I see.
1: I see. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yes, I've been to New Zealand. It mm. was very pleasant. Yeah. So what did, what did you do on your holidays? Well, I
0: mainly drunk wine, actually. Mm. And I know this is not the forum for that, but I can now read the label of a bottle of Burgundy, which is a bit of an yeah. accomplishment for myself.
1: Yeah, nice. Did you find out much about French whiskey?
0: Uh, no, nothing about French whiskey. I didn't huh. have a single French whiskey. And in fact, no one even brought it up, but, ah, uh, pos- so- possibly because they were trying to sell me wine at the time. Yeah, okay.
1: Like- so no uh, Amoric, no Cornog, no no uh, Michel Cavar. No, I had better
0: luck when I was in Germany. Um, yeah, right. Uh, not this holiday. That was the previous holiday.
1: Mm. Um, how about you, Teddy Boy? Did You try any new- Kiwi whiskey? I certainly did. Uh- I uh, sat down in Queenstown. And um, went through, yeah, a bit of a list. Most of them were the NZ Whiskey Collection under wearing different hats.
0: Ah, oh yes. Um, that's right, because they've been distilling for a long time, right?
1: Yeah, kind of.
0: With under different uh, management.
1: Yeah, so Willowbank Distillery was a distillery in New Zealand in, like, the 50s through to the well, 60s through to the 90s. Willowbank. Yeah, Willowbank. Makes me, makes me think of, like, Wind in the Willows. It's like... Um, yeah, ratty and toad yeah, yeah. and stuff down at uh, Willow Bank uh, getting slushed. Yeah, And then driving home. <laughs> yeah. Bop bop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it got it got shut down and the stocks were sort of lost to time a bit. Except then they got picked up and um, started getting sold by Greg Ramsey. But they've they've just actually started distilling their own stuff. Oh, Ted's fondling in his bag. Yeah. Um, as
0: opposed to fondling somewhere else. But uh, yeah.
1: I actually have a bottle here, so this is. The Omeruvian Revolution. So, they've had the Omeruvian as one of their sub brands for a while. But, yeah, this is Revolution, and this is actually new NZ Whiskey Collection stuff. So, we'll have to try that sometime. Um, Yeah. And you've actually stuck up a couple of
0: New Zealand mm. whiskey-related posts on our Patreon, haven't you, Ted? I certainly have. Yeah.
1: Speaking of Patreon, Mm. we have a new Patreon. What? Yes. Good news. Good news. Who is it? It is... We induct you to waffle about whiskey,
0: to pontificate
1: purposefully, and verbalize verbosely.
0: Abe, Abe
2: Williams.
0: Williams. Hey, Abe. Um, no, Abe actually got in touch with us recently, jumping on the Patreon, and said that uh, he's a long-time listener, first time carrier pigeoner, which <laughs> I do appreciate. Much love from Melbourne uh Sausage, brackets Abe, and Paps, Jason, my brother-in-law. There we go. So there's the Abe Collective, Sausage and
1: Paps. All right, we're going to have to do another one. Okay. Yep. We induct you... As an official waffler... To pontificate purposely... And verbalize purposely... S- sausage paps. Sausage
0: paps. Yeah, paps. Paps as well as sausage. Yeah, gotcha. sausage, sausage and paps. Nice one. Uh, welcome on board. Um, You too out there can become an official waffler and join our Patreon. We send you a dram every month, whatever we're reviewing. And, yeah, occasionally Ted sticks up some brilliant carrier pigeon-related content.
1: Um, speaking of carrier pigeon-related uh, content, so Patreons, we have just uh, actually revealed the identity of our longtime mascot, mm. the carrier pigeon. Well, um, his name is the species. Yeah, Captain Keruru. <laughs> I, I, I'd try saying it like in proper New Zealand way, but, I, yeah, I'd probably...
0: Give him a few more drams, people Give him ca- a few more drams. Ca- Wait, ca- listen to the outro of this, and Ted's going to try and say it in a Kiwi accent. Um, yes. What's special about this carrier pigeon, Ted?
1: Well, they are <laughs> they are renowned for getting absolutely shit faced and literally being unable to fly. And sometimes they just fall off their perch, crash down through the trees, and end up snagging a branch and hanging upside down. Um, um, do they
0: go to whiskey bars? Is that how this happens?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And they just um, got...
0: the, the pigeon equivalent, anyway. Yeah,
1: it's, yeah, it's the it's, fermented
0: it's, fruit trees. It's
1: basically like. I've, I've seen one sort of passed out on a lawn and it, it made me think of us post... Um, <laughs> Whiskey Live Melbourne.
0: Whiskey Live Melbourne. <laughs> um, I, actually, um, I actually did go somewhere else on my holiday, Ted, not just France. Oh,
2: yes. I went to
0: England as oh, well. Yes. Yes. England. Which is actually the subject of this podcast. Look at us finally after eight minutes of our podcast,
1: <laughs> bring it around to the topic. Well, it's it's been such a long time since we've just... Had a chance to waffle at each other. You're absolutely
0: that right, Ted. We're out of practice. Normally, this would take us 16 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: um, no. Uh, we we will be talking about England today. Mm. I I am going to be very much the. Um, You're the, going to be the guy
0: saying what the English make whiskey. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um Before we get onto it, shall we talk about what's currently in the glass?
1: Yeah, I was I was just about to say before we move on, let's let's talk about that. Well, you you can tell us about that because this also forms. It's part, part
0: of, of your journey as well. As yeah. well. So um, I like to do that on the way out on a international break. Is grab something in duty free to take along with me in the in the suitcase. Um, some nights are pretty quiet, sitting back in whatever accommodation, or grand or budget, um, mm. and it's nice to have a dram. So um, I found something Australian that i would not tried, um, and it was <laughs> it wasn't just reasonably affordable; it was very affordable. It was like a seventy dollar or seventy five dollar bottle for a
1: Australian whiskey. So we're looking at 500 mils. Yeah, 500 mils. 46%? Yep.
0: And who's it by? They're going by the name Coastal Stone right now. So it's the Manly Spirits Company. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, manly. Yeah, it's really manly. <laughs>
1: yeah, we're the Manly Spirits Company. <laughs> and code.
0: they've uh, they've called this one Northeaster or... Northeaster. Nor- Nor'easter, I think, is the...
1: Yeah, it's the Nor'easter.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Ted's been very manly over there. Um, I bought it partly because the actual physical glass bottle is amazing.
1: Yeah. I was, I was going to say to you, hey, Nick... Why is the Coastal Stone like an oligarch's super yacht? Because um, they've groovy. both they've both got a bloody nice vessel. Ah, yeah, <laughs> mm, um, it's a beautiful bottle. I yeah, will yeah. I I will agree with you there. So
0: kudos to the the team out at Coastal Stone for coming up with that one. Um, yes, yeah, so it's it's a fairly cheap Australian whiskey. Um, but brought. It nah, to- I've gone off it. Oh no, it says it's very unique, does it?
1: Nope. No. Nope. Worse. Oh. And, and so it's so unique. It's about the bottle as well. Captured in contemporary glass, mm. sculptured with the eroded textures of weathered sandstone cliffs that border our coastline, and sealed in a truly, truly unique, unique. <laughs> sandstone, Sydney sandstone stopper. Ah, Oh, yeah. I'd say, oh it, it is actually... I, th- I thought it was just a hard bit of cork, but it mm. does have a sandstone top. Yeah. So we've talked lots
0: about the physical bottle. Um, we killed the bottle just now. We just poured it <laughs> out.
1: Um, why, why, pray tell, did we kill the bottle, Nicholas? Uh, well, I mean, I wasn't going to, but I did spill half of
0: it. So Where did you spill it? Um, certainly not on my crotch, and you have to wipe it dry. <laughs> no, all, yeah. over, all over the, my laptop about to hit record on the, the podcast. Uh, yes. There's
1: almost a moment. Yes.
0: No, so um, the bottle is dead. Um, I did want to just bring some home to share with my colleague. Um, mm, so, uh, thank you. I, we're not going to spend too much time on it, but a quick thirty-second um, um, thoughts on the the contents of the beautiful bottle.
1: Yes, well, the Nora easter is matured in charred red wine. Now, forget ma- about the stuff on there. Just tell me what French you think. Oak. Tell me what you think. I think it's Australian. I think it's Australian. I think it's fairly. I think it, there's light a wine casting going on, but
0: this is what happens when we don't put much effort into review. Yeah, it's yeah. got
1: it's got a biscuity, juicy nose. Mm. Mm. I think there is a bit of juice there. The the palate is definitely red wine driven. It's, it's probably a, it's probably a roughly equal mixture between red wine and timber.
0: Yeah, but I actually yeah. think there is like some notes that remind me of certain parts of lark whiskies that sneak oh, yeah. in there, some of that sort of juiciness, or, mm. orange juicy sort of thing. Mm. Um, modern lark, I Modern think. lark is exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's um, But
1: for a it's cheap, not, cheap Aussie wine, yeah. it's fine as a it's quopper. It's
0: absolutely fine, isn't it? That's, a, it was
1: a good travel one.
0: It was a good travel one, yeah. Even my wife had a sip at one point on the trip. That makes it unique, or indeed very unique, yeah. among all my collections. So, anyways, dead now. Dead now.
1: We induct you. To pontificate purposefully. L- you stuffed it up. That's oh. my job of no, stuffing no, it yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go again. We induct you. To uh, Waffle about whiskey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we. Th- see, this is usually me. <laughs> it's, nice, it's nice not to be the one doing it for once.
0: Is it time to talk about... English whiskey, Teddy Boy. It certainly is. It certainly is. Let's. Uh, let's it Certainly on. is. Old Bean. Yes, this could be a could be a long episode if we don't move on to the
1: waffle right now. The waffle. All right, Nicholas. So yeah, I am half English. I have family in England, and yet I know nothing really about the English whiskey scene.
0: Well, you're not the only one, I don't think, Ted, um, because there's not too much that um, it, it's sort of in the world stage that Scotland's got one up on England,
1: but our whiskey is well and truly one of those things. Yeah, well, I suppose prior to this, probably my most knowledge of English whiskey was you going into a bar one time in Scotland, ordering a glass of English whiskey and getting derided mercilessly. <laughs> Until yeah, you pronounced it to be terrible, and then you were hailed as a hero. Yeah,
0: they almost didn't let me order it. Um, <laughs> no, this is true, but that was back in 2014. So, the English whiskey scene has is, is changed a lot even since then. Back then, there was only like two or three that were actually had anything they could legally call whiskey. Mm. Um, but now, I guess, and you're going to see a few parallels going on, there's probably 15 to 30 in that range that are... 15 to 30, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's a trend that is, that is growing.
1: I suppose England as a, as a region, let's call it a region, is experiencing growth in all sorts of different drinks-related areas. I mean, beer has always been a big thing, but yeah. I think their, their wine uh, industry is certainly evolving a lot.
0: No, you're absolutely right there. And that's one of the reasons that I went to England as well, because the South Coast um, is bringing on a lot of sparkling producers as well. Um, But there's a couple of different products, beer and one other, which we're going to get to later, Mm. um, that has always been um, sort of, uh, I guess, famous and always associated with the country. Whiskey is not one of those drinks that has always been associated with the country of England. Mm. Um, and in terms of British drinks, well, there's so varied. You're never going to be able to agree on it. Scotland, absolutely. Ireland. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. England. No, 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 no. But there are some parallels though, because England used to be a distilling powerhouse, just like Scotland and Ireland back through the 1800s. They were producing 20 million liters of spirit, um, a a year just out of their distillers. Um, out Whether, of the distillers yeah well out of the distilleries <laughs> the distillers were uh, <laughs> drinking so much they were. Yeah, I know, <laughs> yeah no um so they, they did produce a fair bit and w- the quality of that stuff um probably variable but then again so was scotland and so was ireland although ireland did have that little um x factor with their sort of um pot still <laughs> i'm just style. i'm
1: just th- i'm just thinking that uh The Scots probably would call uh, English whiskey um, piss. (laughs)
0: Well, it didn't have the same (laughs) reputation. Um, It certainly didn't. And this is one of the reasons that it went bust. The last English distillery making whiskey shut in 1905. That was the Lee Valley Distillery.
1: Where was Uh,
2: it? That was in London. London? Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: And it's kind of a bit like Ireland. They couldn't keep up with the Scottish blended stuff. Yep. And plus, Scotland at that stage had some restructuring of their... Um, taxation system and actually made getting sc- Scottish whiskey into England more affordable. Yeah, okay. and if you could buy Scottish stuff for the same price as English stuff, then well, yeah. may as well buy the the good stuff, right? <laughs> I've
1: I've always got the sense that England was a it, it's it's like how they sort of ran ran the entire empire that England was a place where things came to. So mm. you went and conquered India, so you could get all this all the wealth coming back from there. You went and conquered uh, the United States to get things to come back from there. You went and conquered Scotland mm. and then... Yeah. You tried to, tried to assimilate to them into your country. Assimilate them into your country. And then people in England would then have businesses that dealt with importing... Mm. Whiskey, rather than actually making it them themselves. Yeah, yeah. Why bother if you
0: can yeah. get the um, stuff straight from the source? So, a bit like Australia, they had a minimum still size.
1: Okay. So, like,
0: you couldn't produce spirits or whiskey if you had a still smaller than 1, 800 litres. Right. Which, okay. So it's, I, I it's, don't know, I can't remember what the Tasmanian one was, but that that's what we said. Like, there was mm. a ban on small-scale distilling, craft distilling. It wasn't called craft distilling back in the day, was it? No. No, no. I think it was just (laughs) distilling. (laughs) Yeah, Backyard distilling. Bathtub distilling. Yeah, moonshining. Yeah, and so that's basically what happened. Uh, Do you know how long it took before there was another specific whiskey distillery that was started up in England?
1: I'm just going to say 100 years. Correct. 100 years is the answer. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> 1905 to 99, uh No, 2005. Sorry. Yeah, so mm. it was 2005 when yeah. the sort of
0: the next whiskey distillery started production. It was called um, Saint George Distillery.
1: Oh, ah, right. so that right. Yep. And um, so Saint George was the one that you the had, one that in, that I had bar, in the bar. Right. Yep. Right. So they call their whiskey
0: in inverted commas the English, yep. which is a terrible name. It's a horrible name. Um, can you imagine like making whiskey here and calling it the Australian like? Historic. Bit on the nose, yeah, yeah, don't don't like it all. But um, Saint George Distillery is a great name, though. So I drink a bottle of Saint George, but I, yeah. I don't know if I'd uh, drink the English. But um, yeah, they um they they popped up um in two thousand and five and started making whiskey. And there was there was a few. There was one called the London Distilling Company that started distilling. Oh yeah, in London. Yep. But they're shut now. They're defunct. all right. Yeah, yeah. So they yeah, did, I remember them. They went to administration and didn't work out. Um. So yeah, but there were a few others that came along in the early two thousand and tens. Um. The Lakes Distillery. Adnams, which we associate yeah. with sort of craft brewing and stuff. Yeah, beer. Yeah, beer. there's the East London liquor company Bimba, which is a yep. hilarious name. But um, yeah, heard of them. Yeah, yeah, Gullivers, um, and also the Cotswolds Distillery came along in 2014, mm-hmm. which we have talked about before on the pod.
1: Yes, indeed. Yeah, a more recent experience with English whiskey has been the Cotswolds, and we have rather liked a bottle that we were able to get from Uncle Dan's. It was about 95 bucks. Um, and it was just their standard release, and it worked. Yep. It, was, it was good. It, it changed our minds on Yeah, well, English this is it. Whiskey. Our
0: skepticism was, was turned around, and that's why I was keen to go there. So I've actually been to two whiskey distilleries in England now. One of them was the Cotswold Distillery, and yep. the other one is the one in our glass. So before I jump in with any more facts, let's talk about the one in our glass All right. so we can intersperse that. So I was going down south. I wanted to go somewhere which I thought was pretty, and I did a bit of research, and I decided on Dartmouth. Dartmouth, yes, the mouth of the River Dart in Devon, um, on the south coast.
1: Yeah, okay, okay. Now there's another Dart-related thing that I've also know about. Yeah, yeah, um,
0: little uh, wild ponies or whatever they are yeah. running around on the moors. Dartmoor. Yes, Dartmoor. So Dartmoor is, the, is a big um, national park sort of area or mm. conservation area. And um, yeah, there's a distillery that have named themselves after that, Dartmoor Distillery. And in this little town called Bovey Tracy. I actually loved Bovey Tracy. Very Bowie, pretty. Bovey Tracy. Bovey Tracy. It took me so long to memorize it as well. I kept mispronouncing it. Um, it, was, it was a great, great place. Had a good pub. Terrible if you want to find parking up in the um, old village part of it. But okay. the distillery is in the old town hall. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, getting um Good, not, good conversion. They, yeah, yeah. Well, this is the thing, but it's heritage listed. They're not even allowed to put a sign up. That's how, yeah, right. that's how okay. difficult it is. Well
1: there uh, you go, folks. There's there's your uh, if you ever if you're ever in the region, visit Bobby Tracy, good pub, shit parking mm-hmm. has a distillery in the town hall, but they're not allowed to put up a sign, so you yeah. don't know where it is.
0: So yeah, they they've got an old alambic still. Um so oh, okay. a cognac still. Yep. And yeah, no, it's it looks old. It's like 1966 it was made. And um, yeah, they're making a few different whiskies, and we've got three in our glass. So they make one that's matured in ex-Bourbon casks, one that's been in ex-French oak wine casks and an ex-Sherry whiskey as well. Okay, And I bought some little miniatures back to share with my colleague
1: and I hope they ever survive the trip. Let's try.
0: Yeah. Ooh. So sorry, I,
1: yeah. I, I was just going to say, first up on the nose, it's, it's very prominent. I'm, I'm feeling there's a bit of, um, new makiness to it still. spirit-driven. Mm, it like is, it that is that definitely spirit-driven. Although not in a terrible way, at least on the nose.
0: So the bloke told me um, he'd give me a free tasting if I bought a bottle. And he's like, will you buy a bottle? I'm like, I don't know. I have not tried it yet. <laughs>
1: yeah. been um, chicken egg. Yeah, yeah. So I said,
0: I, I, I'm happy to pay for the tasting if I don't buy a bottle. Um, we'll see how it go. Um But I actually, I did consider buying a bottle of this bourbon cast, not because it was like the perfect example of like a, a delicious whiskey. It it was tasty enough, but I just thought, yeah, it's very spirit-driven character. Mm. Um, there's not much extra flavors laid on top. It's um, maybe a bit of vanilla, p- perhaps a bit of banana, but it's,
1: yeah, it's quite um, creamy spirit. It's very much so. It's prominently so. Mm. Creamy is definitely the right descriptor, mm. though. Yeah, Creamy spirit, I like it. It's
0: um, neither groundbreaking nor unpleasant. Just um an interesting thing, like I was in the south of England, which supposedly is the the warmest part of the country um It did rain every single day I was in England um <laughs> not England. not for the entire day, but at least sometime throughout the day yep. it did rain um so I'm not sure if I believe that, but yes, compared to Scotland, the average temperature is slightly warmer than Scotland. Similarly to Scotland, they have a minimum maturation period of three years before it becomes legally Okay, risky.
1: so those still have three years. Um, yep.
0: Three years and one day. I suppose you that makes sense. Make sure you don't don't dodge a leap here. Um, but yeah, it's um, still got this sort of perception that it will age faster mm. in the in the country of England than perhaps those traditional Scottish Highlands do. But I don't know. I think compared to Tas- Tasmania, even especially mainland Australia, it's not going to have that same average temperature.
1: Yeah, certainly. Well, let's grab
0: the um uh, let's grab the wine cask as well, so the the middle one there.
1: All right. Wine cask. So French French wine?
0: French wine, French oak. Also forty six percent. So actually, more specifically, and I can say that I've been there, ex Bordeaux casks.
1: I was going to ask you the particular region that they yes. come from.
0: Now, later on in the episode when we talk a little bit about the Cotswolds, I can tell you more about Bordeaux and wine and um, <sighs> cask types, but I don't know anything about whether what was in the Bordeaux casks, but
2: oh,
1: now smelling this one, mm. I'm actually getting a more raw spirit character in there. Yeah, Com- compared to the first one where it was it was spirity but it was balanced. This yep. one is definitely smelling to me like yeah that that more youthful.
0: Yeah, well, I'll let you in on something. This was my least
1: favorite of the three,
0: mm. and it's the one that I was most excited about. It's always the way, isn't it? It's always the way. I'm
1: I'm finding. Both of these ones have been quite narrow across the palate, have passed quite quick, quickly across the palate. Yep. Hasn't really sort of done much in there, spread out, got in to all the, the nooks and crannies. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> I do know what you mean, Ted. I yeah. do know what you mean. I feel like, particularly on the nose, this one makes me think of Australia. Yeah. Specifically, it makes me think of new distilleries.
0: Mm, like some Victorian distilleries.
1: Some Victorian distilleries yeah. that have been forced to put out some juice yep. to make some money and they're not old enough. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, it's it was my least favourite of the three. Mm. Um, and that's okay, but it's... Yeah, i can see why. Yeah, I just... Yeah, I didn't quite connect with it as much. Mm. But it's interesting you make that connection to Australia because that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. Are you getting a sort of a... Uh, parallel from the story i 've been telling, like uh mm. um once once powerful industry, dormant for a hundred years or more, yeah. um making comeback through craft distilling yep. um, it's, yeah um
1: yeah, sounding awfully familiar I think
0: they're probably tracking about ten years fifteen years behind where Australia mm. is but and this is what one of the things that we 've been forced to admit that maybe England is part of the new world, <gasps> the new world of whiskey <laughs> at least i they're about the least new world country in the existence, but uh. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I would agree that within, if, if you look, trying to classify them in terms of how the whiskey presents and how the, how the industry and the whiskey presents, they are definitely firmly within the new world. They're, they're, part, of, they're part of the new kids. Yep.
0: And I think that your Glass is an example of it. That's not Scotch.
1: No, oh no, no definitely no, no. not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the cynical Scot would have words, indeed. many words, In, quite pithy ones <laughs> about this. So
0: I suppose, um, yeah, that brings us to the last one, which mm. is a more common uh, Scottish maturation style, which is ex sherry.
1: Do we know what sort of sherry? Does it?
0: Yes, I do. It's ah. ex oloroso.
1: Oloroso, so oloroso. drier. Yeah, which yeah. to me makes sense. It does have that drier, more leathery kind of thing. The nose on this one makes me think of walking into a uh, into a room in a caravan park in the nineties. Oh wow! Vinyl tiles, PVC cupboards. Yeah, it's just kind of got that sort of cozy cabin yeah. vibe to it. <laughs> there you go, folks. <laughs> Classic uh, tasting notes right here. Everyone's like, "Yeah, man, I know exactly what you mean." <laughs> I think out of actually all of them, I think I think the wine cask wine has smelt the youngest. I think this is the second youngest, and out of all of them, all of them, I think on the nose, the bourbon has actually been the best integrated. Yeah, yeah. I think I think just the the simplicity of the the vanilla and caramel of the bourbon has helped complement the the spirit flavors. Whereas once you start getting the red wines, you're getting the competing characters between the wine and the sherry and then the spirit and you kind of notice the difference whereas in the bourbon it's all about the spirit yeah they're not so much wild dartmouth ponies cantering across the moors they're more pit ponies that have come out of um thatcher's post british um coal mining um era and have been sort of dragged blinking into the light and are a bit sort of dusty and ratty
0: yeah well there you go that's uh We've summarized the distillery for you. Um, definitely still worth checking out, but I doubt it's going to get to Australian bottle shops anytime mm. soon. Um, I did want to bring up one other aspect of English whiskey just while we're chatting about it here. Mm-hmm. And it's time to bring up the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is plotting.
1: I thought you were going to say colonization. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's true.
0: No, the elephant in the room is plotting. Plotting. To kill their husband. Right. The elephant in the room is. Is gin. Ah, gin. So in Australia, the gin boom is kind of accidentally come about because there's distilleries that want to make whiskey that Mm. have tried to find something to keep the cash flow going until the whiskey's ready, and that has become gin. And there's a younger, more sort of edgy market that's looking for it, and all of a sudden gin has become super popular. Mm. In England, gin has been a thing for a very long time. Yeah,
1: well, Mother's Ruin has been... Indeed. So the last whiskey
0: distillery shut in 1905... However, gin has been carrying on all throughout that time and being exported all around the world. And the London Dry Style has become so famous and so popular. So distilleries have existed in England. Small, big, medium-sized, whatever, have been ticking along just as long throughout this little period where there's been no whiskey making. And what's more stacks of people drink it like everyone drinks it well not everyone but so many english people drink it and like young people old people middle-aged people like there's no specific demographic there's different flavors of gin and there's all these like flavored fruity gins which are super sweet which are horrible i really don't yeah. like them but um yeah they're really popular like younger drinkers um but yeah gin is such a big thing and for these people the whiskey making is like a sideshow. No, you're just like you're yeah, oh, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Kind of We're a distillery. We make gin. It's oh, upside down. Oh, yeah, we down. do a single malt as well. It's upside down. Absolutely right. And nothing is... They opposite. call us upside down, but they're yeah. the upside down ones. And they are. And nothing has been clearer than when I went to the Cotswolds Distillery. And the entire tour was all about how they make the whiskey. And um, we did a tour, th- tour through the Bond store. Um, there was maybe, you know, a little bit about the gin. But they do two at least two tours and sometimes three tours of 30 to 40 people a day. And I reckon I was the only whiskey fan on my tour. Really? Yeah, that's there's interesting. Some, there's some old blokes that drink whiskey, but everyone else was there for the gin. And Cotswold Distillery are all about the whiskey. Yeah, but they, they make, they they make really gin are. too. And that's why people come to the tours. So it's a different market in England. They're not as excited about the whiskey as we are, just as a general sort of person. I know that you and I get very excited about whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I think there's a lot of people in Australia that, you know, uh, at least a 50-50 split between someone to go distillery for gin versus whiskey, whereas I found that on my tour group, my demographic, um, at least three quarters, but I'd say probably 80% were there for
1: the gin. Because I suppose they're in England and they're not thinking about whiskey, whereas if they went to Scotland, they'd yeah, go, right, they're, they're Right, I'm whiskey. here. Exactly. Yeah, we've we've come over the border to drink whiskey.
0: But isn't that a confusing market? You're trying yeah. to convince gin drinkers to drink whiskey. Yeah. And that's that we just don't get that here.
1: That's fascinating, though, that, yeah, they're... they're they're trying to overcome the, the cultural weight of gin. And even my, my own
0: family. So I went over there to stay with family uh, on my wife's side and um, they were talking about, oh, we've booked my um, – because one of them was turning 30, my 30th weekend away and we're going mm. to gin distillery. That's really exciting. It's like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to distillery here too. I'm going to whiskey distillery. Which one are you going to? Uh, Cotswolds distillery. Which one are you going to? Oh, Cotswolds distillery. No, we were talking about the same thing, but um, she called it a gin distillery and I called it a whiskey distillery, which it is a whiskey distillery. They're all about the whiskey, which you're going to hear about later on this episode. Mm. But yeah, it's um, yeah, just the way that the, the public psyche of spirits in England is. It's very different. And you know what else? And this is going to happen Do in tell. Australia soon. Not only is whiskey having to edge gin out of the market, rums on the up. Yeah, rum actually, up, you're right. Especially in England, and it could be here in Australia too. Although I I haven't seen the same evidence in Australia, but I mm. could tell in England, rums are on the up. That's very
1: interesting. England, in part, like a a, a big dark part of their history is built on rum. Mm.
0: Yeah, but intriguingly, there are a few awards starting to be won by the by the whiskies in England, mm. and I don't think that's going to stop because the people making it are passionate about it. Mm. They're enthusiastic, they're very intelligent, they know their market, they know their product, and they're very helpful. And I can tell you this because we got a puncture on the way into the distillery, and the... Rental car company would not send anyone else to help us I've heard about this story. they were terrible, <laughs> yes, they were completely useless um the The locals in the distillery were very helpful because apparently it's a thing to have like a little mini cup tie pump in your car over in the u k okay. and so yeah, this dude had it, and I was chatting with him. It's a lovely guy called Nick, so I got on very well with him, obviously um, and later on, I chatted with my tour guide Charlotte that um oh yeah, that guy's the head distiller. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I yeah, got to hang out with him, so absolute legend. But we're going to talk about Cotswolds later on in this episode. Um, mm. But I actually think that it is a space to watch out for because even though the market in England is not necessarily keyed onto it yet, I think it's just going to grow. <laughs> it can only grow because they're doing good stuff, they're making good product, and there is interest out there. And these people who are interested are going to put these other people onto it. And, yeah, watch out. I think it's
1: coming. You know, the, the day that an English whiskey wins best whiskey in the world is the day that Scotland seeds and goes over to Europe <laughs> yep no. the end of the British it, 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 the, it won't be all Great these Britain. it won't be any any of these other sort of all, all political and um, financial economic reasons it'll be that England has got the best whiskey in the world that's it yeah no, we're no. out we're out <laughs> Actually, I'll give it a shake just to make sure that the uh, neck pour is uh, nice, nicely mixed through. The whiskey.
0: Time for a whiskey review, and we've left England. We've we've gone away from England for a bit. We've gone up north. Up north, no yeah. more no. north than that. Yes, but how far north? And that is an interesting point about this whiskey. Yes,
1: this is this is a bit contentious. Yes, this how far
0: one? north do we really get? I think with this whiskey, basically we've been sucked in by the brightly coloured box.
1: <laughs> it's a it's a vibrantly orange box. Yes,
0: it's a high vis box that we've purchased, and yeah, we've bought this one to review on the podcast because we're curious as to what they're doing.
1: I will say I like the um, sort of the the feather patination in the side of the box, um, which is appropriate because the Scottish um, background for the name of this place um, is um, Glen of the Geese. Oh, Glen of the Geese. I love it. Well, it's sitting in your lap,
0: Ted. So I think your previous name for it was appropriate. What yes. Did you, what did you call it?
1: It is. It is sitting in my lap. That is appropriate because this is the Glen Groin.
0: <laughs> you at home, and now never going to be able to think of this as anything apart from Glen Groin again. Um, technically, there's no R in the title; it's just Glen Groin. But um, Glen Groin is far better.
1: Yes, Glen Groin. Uh, yeah, Glen Groin. Um... But, but which Groin? How well hung is it, Ted? So this this is the aged 10 years.
0: 10 years, so it's an entry-level-ish. Do they do a NAS? I don't know if they do, because the 12-year-old was always their entry-level. Mm. Um, but now they've got a 10-year-old. So maybe this is their response, like all these other distilleries doing non-age statement entry-levels. We're just going to bump it down by two years.
1: So this is a Lowlands whiskey, right, Nicholas? Uh, almost correct, except it's a Highlands whiskey, isn't it, Ted? Right, no, I'm I'm pretty sure that it's a Lowlands whiskey. I'm pretty sure it was distilled in the Highlands, Teddy Boy. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure it made those ten years in the Lowlands.
0: Ooh, ooh. So, if a if a whiskey is distilled in the Highlands, but then is matured for ten years in the Lowlands, what does that make it? Mm. Um, that is the Glengoyne conundrum.
1: Yes, um, right on the borderline. Who draws up these borders? I do not <laughs> well, know. Well, that's it. This, this very imaginary borderline.
0: Yeah, I bet the marketing team drew it up. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, being in the lowlands isn't something that Scotland generally boasts about. No. Highlands is very
1: attractive.
0: Sexy yeah. Highlands.
1: Every, everyone wants to be a Highland whiskey. Yeah, yeah. No one wants will write to be a lowland. soundtrack.
0: One of the things with Glengoyne is that it's one of the most accessible by tourists. Because it's a short drive from Glasgow. Yeah. I think within, within the hour you can get to, to Glengoyne if you're on a, a bus trip and if you want to go and see Loch Ness, it's probably on the way as well. So for a sort of mini package deal of Scotland, you, you go and see Loch Ness, you go and see, I don't know, Ben Nevis out a bus window, and then you see
1: Glen Goyne. yeah. You go and see the Valley
0: of the Crotch.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it is appropriately named because it is on the border between the highlands and the lowlands. <laughs> And where and where is the where what sits within the border between uh, the Highlands and the Lowlands?
0: What does a Scotsman keep under his kilt? Yes. <laughs> uh uh anyway so it's yeah I I guess it's one of those ones that that gets out and about for reasons other than the actual spirit itself. And um yeah, I guess we have to talk about the spirit itself and see what we think about. I am looking at the bottle and immediately thinking caramel coloring.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm I was just just reading some of the thing, the uh, marketing wank on the front, and I was trying to work out what it was getting at because typ- typical marketing wank. Yeah. In the stillness of our quiet Glen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. We know what pa- we know. Patience is rewarded. For every minute other whiskeys spend in their stills, ours spend three. So. What? I th- what? I suspect It's saying it's like they they take three times as long to run it through their stills. Only then is it transferred to casks. Them themselves prepared for six years. Right. Interesting. This is the Glengoyne way. Right. This is the way. Well, yeah. So, basically, what they're saying is that it takes them three times as long to make their spirit, and then they've had their casks sitting around for six years before they finally get around to using them.
0: Because they... uh Third fill
1: or... <laughs> I don't know, to be honest.
0: If they've been able to confuse two whiskey wafflers, then they've been able to confuse all the tourists that come through every...
1: Um, 40%, I will say, as well. Yeah. So, what do we think on the nose? It definitely smells a lot more Scottish, than because it just, is...
0: Yeah, than what we're just trying. It's interesting.
1: The, the English whiskies that we've been drinking, which I feel like the Scots would be pleased to hear. Absolutely. Yeah, well,
0: if it's less Scottish, then they'd be in big trouble. No very much bringing through a, a caramel note that wasn't present previously in our recording session um, and also a sort of
1: darkness and dryness. And I was thinking, something. I think it's got a bit of earthiness to it. Mm. A little bit of orange in there as well, orange and like, spices. Yeah, orange
0: suggesting sort of a a, a bitter rind mm. Uh, mm. more so than a, a juicy juice of juiceness.
1: Oh, and on the palate, actually, it's, it does have a, a very citrusy, zesty
0: zing to it. Yeah, it is quite zesty, actually. I thought it might just disappear at the end of the palate. And and to be fair, it doesn't warm you in any way. But when I was saying there was no juicy juice, juice, juiceness on the nose, there is juicy juice, juice, juiceness <laughs> on the palate. And I wonder how many times I can squeeze that in. <laughs> squeeze that in. Yeah. Before the end of this uh, little yeah. review.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm curious about you saying that it doesn't warm you because this is... Whiskey is made of geese. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, and surely, surely a whiskey made of, of geese and goose feathers should be delightfully warm. No, I'm going a different
0: way because I think this is the, the two interior feathers on both wings that are used to create a shuttle in the game of badminton. Ah, yes. Because this one sails into your mouth with a whoosh, and then uh, the, the, the feathers tickle you as it goes down, but at a rapid speed, um, the fastest racket sport. Faster than pickleball.
1: Yeah. Okay. So appropriately for Glen Glen groin, these are the cock feathers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, they can print that in the bottle. <laughs> it's yeah.
1: It's actually juicy and tasty, isn't it? It's mm. um.
0: It's not groundbreaking, but it's. I am enjoying. I got,
1: it. I I actually quite like the juiciness of the palate. Yeah.
0: It's um. It's all right, isn't you it?
1: Know, you know what? I feel like this would go well in an old fashioned.
0: Yeah, actually, this is this is a good point. I think there's enough other characters. There's certainly, again, it's the opposite of um, what we're talking about before. Spirit-driven whiskies. This is um, it doesn't really show off the spirit too much at all. But there's these other flavors that just jump in and dive in. And yeah, it's fairly easy to drink. And you're absolutely right. Add some orange rind, a dash it, Angus Dura. You've got a potential winner and a, and a novelty ice cube perhaps. In the shape of a goose, mm-hmm. and uh, the marketing team are already getting onto mm. this.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, 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 well. I I rather like this. I think it's a. I think it's just a good general quaffer. I don't mm. think it challenges you too much. I think actually it would be one that whiskey novices would like. Yeah. I think um. So. I feel like it's got. I'm getting it's it's lingering on my palate. It's that that citrus and pantry spice flavour. And there's, a, there's a, quite a sweetness there as well. I feel like that would be appealing to someone who's, yeah, likes likes a cocktail or something, likes, um or a bit of a liqueur. I think it's a fairly safe, family-friendly whiskey.
0: Yeah, it's the Venn diagram where whiskey is one of the circles, the other one is an old-fashioned, and the third is Glavio. Yeah.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah.
0: Isn't that interesting? And uh, yeah, I was fully prepared to, to give it a one or a two star, but I'm... Um, Probably sneaking up into a three.
1: Yeah, I think I think it definitely tips over the edge into into a a, a low three. It's interesting because I've reviewed
0: the twelve um, year old before and I gave it a two. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I think it's a very different
1: style. <laughs> do 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 you think that our palates are maybe somewhat biased at the moment because we've been drinking English whiskey um, previous to this and now we're drinking Scottish whiskey and we're like,
0: oh yeah, this is the this is the stuff. Well, you know who's going to tell us
1: our Patreons,
0: because they're going to receive some of this in the mail and they're going to tell us, is this a perfectly acceptable coffer or is this just merely better than English whiskey? <laughs>
1: yep. So I've got, to, I've got to tell you, just while we're having this interlude, I've got to tell you about the dream that I had the other night. Oh, yeah. So I, I had a dream where I summon, use use blood to summon a demon that, that inhabited... A, that used as a body, a chilli-filly, and it had carrot, cucumber, and capsicum crudities, which it used, used as legs and feelers to move itself around and try to capture things.
2: <laughs> Head. Two. Head. Two. Head.
1: So, so, tell me about Cotswold Distillery. So, the Cotswold
0: Distillery opened with the um, express thought of creating amazing single malt whiskey. Not um, gin? Well, this is it. They, they, they've done the Tassie model. They've started making gin. But that was just to keep the cash flow going. And yeah. that's a familiar story. And now, so many English people, because that's the norm, they think they're a gin distillery. Like, oh, they do whiskey as well. But it's another familiar story. They built like a certain size, like a 1,500 litre still. And they thought this is going to be plenty big enough. Two years later, crap, we can't fulfill demand. <laughs> so they've built two 10,000 litre stills. Holy
1: shit, that's a jump! They are
0: ginormous. So that, did absolutely huge.
1: Do you say fifteen hundred liters? Yeah. Yep. To um, two ten thousand liters. Yep. Yep. So this is far it. out. Oh, curiously, in Scotland,
0: like you don't see often this size. They just have a series of like mm. five thousand liters or whatever. These are ten thousand liter stills. That's massive. They're powered by um, by diesel. Um, they did try their own biofuel, which was they are really excited about because they do have a real ethos about. Um, uh, sustainability.
1: Yeah, that's all. Your new distillery, like all, all, all the new small distilleries, small distilleries do, like the ones that are built by the corporate bigwigs. They're like, yeah, just pump yeah, yeah. power out. But, but yeah, uh, basically,
0: oh. what happened with the biofuel is they stunk out a sort of thirty mile radius, and the neighbors, <laughs> the neighbors did not like it very much. So they've gone oh, back no. to the diesel. <laughs> so the Cotswold distillery, they their main cask types are X American X bourbon and X red wine cask from France. Um, so name France. me a yeah, name me a French red wine region. Bordeaux. And that's where they get it from. Name me a red wine grape that is grown in Bordeaux. This is where it gets tricky for Oh me.
1: shit. Now you've you've told me this before and I've totally forgotten but I, I have, it? but it's not Pinot Noir. Oh, damn it, that's the one I was gonna that's, say. That's
0: Burgundy, damn it.
1: Oh god. Oh right, Bordeaux. Oh so Burgundy is Pinot Noir. Uh um Um Mataro is Spanish, but um that's... Uh, 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 I don't want know. More
0: de- you yeah, Rhone Valley with that, but... Um, yeah. Ah, damn it.
1: So, the two most famous
0: grapes they're grown in Bordeaux are Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot. Merlot. But they don't use either of them. Oh, okay. They use the third most famous grape from that right. region, which is Cabernet Franc.
1: Cab Franc, right. Yes.
0: So, they get straight Cab Franc, and curiously... And I, I, I just assumed, because I, did, I didn't even ask, I just assumed they used French oak. No, nah. American oak. American oak, Cab Franc. I, I, I'm i absolutely guaranteed what they're using is not like a appellated um, Grand Cru wine. They're using these new, funky, big, bold flavors to mature their wines in, yeah, wow. which I
1: thought was fascinating. And very new world. Did they say how they'd come to that decision? Was it... That they've been across to the continent and come across this, these barrel or this the cab front wine somewhere that they've been visiting and thought, yeah, this is this would make a banging whiskey or yeah,
0: it- no, they they did not say that, but the impression they got it was it was cheap,
1: yeah, um, no, cheaper.
0: Fair um affordable or sustainable because you can keep getting that. Whereas um if you're relying on Grand Cru wine to just mm. sort of top this up, you just you're not gonna be able to guarantee that supply. Whereas yeah, they could guarantee this sort of um relationship between them and a winemaker and they actually for the signature series and what we're about to talk about in a head to head, which we'll promise we'll get to soon, it's about a sixty, forty percent blend of sixty percent X Bourbon, forty percent X red one
1: Yeah, nice. So they're, they're not doing a period of ageing in bourbon first and then going into red wine. They're doing fully ageing in bourbon, fully ageing in red wine. and then Blending together. Blending Absolutely together. right, yep.
0: yep. And curiously, we're about to try one called the Reserve, which is a very wine term for me, mm. which I find mm. fascinating. Um, but they've switched that up slightly. So the Reserve is 70% bourbon, 30% Cab Franc. Also, what they've changed up from the Signature, which we've talked about in the podcast before, Future me will tell me what episode number that was.
2: Episode 51.
0: This one is 50%, not 46%, or whatever percentage it was. Future me will fix that. It's fine.
2: Yes, Nick, you are correct. 46%, you sexy beast.
0: So pick up your first glass, Teddy Boy. This is the
1: Reserve, is what they've called it. Just just smell it. I I, I recognize it. Um, It it presents like the signature. Pumped up a bit. mm super bright and juicy
2: mm.
1: like really really nice and juicy just a, it's a big hit of sunshine it's yeah. it's it's like a bronze coin sitting in the sun and <laughs> just glinting and glittering do you see the
0: like the version of the signature that this has sort of come from like mm. it's the signature but it's got this sort of whiskey nerd lift that it's given it's like let's lift the percentage let's just give it a no. bit of uh, extra Did you say- floral
1: there's more Cab Franc or less Cab Franc? And less. Less Cab Franc. Yeah, more, so 70% bourbon. bourbon, but mm. 50% alcohol too, so. Yeah. And I think that's where you get a, a big hit of that sort of sunshine that I was talking about. Yep. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, like,
0: I really like
1: it. I really like that. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's us talking about English whiskey.
0: Yes, I know, I know. Well, this one I have not tried because I've just opened this tonight. And uh, I've poured into our glasses, and we're about to try it for the... Ted's for the first time, for me, for the first time since I was at the distillery. Mm. And it's a sherry cask. Sherry casks. So, yeah, the sherry cask is a blend of um, whiskey matured and ex rosso, but also ex-pedria... <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, um, this one in particular is... I'm not sure about the ratio between the two, but it's very heavily sherryed, and it's cask strength. Cost- did I tell you, Ted, did I tell you that... Apart from the signature and the reserve that we just had, the rest are all cask strength. Yeah, right. There was like four or five others, and I've got a ranking of what I thought of them, and I'll tell you about that at the end.
1: Okay. All right, so, Sherry, much more fruity on the nose. Yeah, it's, it's it's got some bright, dark red berries on the nose. I, I like it. It's You can tell it's cask strength. Yeah, you can tell it's cask strength. Mm. Palette-wise, mm. yeah, that's good. As, that really hits those uh, those sherry notes. Because it's cast strength, it's really bright and shiny again. Yeah, and it's, it's got um really full, fruity, juicy flavours to it. It's so fruity and juicy. Mm. So
0: fruity and juicy. Um, so much fruit going on there, which is, yeah, really, really exciting. And um, it doesn't necessarily make me think mm. of, say, um, heavily sherried Scottish whiskey, Glendronic, mm. Ma- Macallan, or certain Macallans. Yeah. It doesn't remind me of that. No, it, doesn't, no. it doesn't have the funk, it doesn't have the sulfur, it doesn't have this sort of layer of complexity, but it also doesn't quite veer into a, a certain type of Christmas pudding. But on the other side, this reminds me of like potentially even like I know this is going to be sound crazy because I've not really tried it, but Cavalan.
1: Yeah. Like that sort that's, of, um, that's what I was matter. trying to think of. Cavalan. Yeah. yeah. This
0: really appealed to me as a bit of a whiskey mm. nerd, um, but it's full-bodied, fruity, dry, and yet it's got this sticky element to it as well. How can it be sticky and dry at the same mm. time? I just don't know.
1: I was about to say I think it's got a creamy element to it as well on the palate, and it makes me think of like a, I don't know, berry ice cream. Mm. That's that's really good. I <laughs> I really like that. Yep.
0: So um, I was I was pretty enthusiastic about uh, purchasing that one, mm. and like it was good it choice. Was, it was probably like seventy five pounds. Um, Ted's doing the maths now because seventy five sounds really cheap. Yeah, it's about one hundred and fifty
1: bucks. Yeah, about one hundred and fifty. Yeah, that's not bad for seven hundred mil. Seven hundred mil. Yep. Car strength. Yep. Mm. Mm. And it's a, um, it's a bit of a banger, really. Yeah,
0: I think you can find this one in Australia. The the reserve that we just tried, I. I looked and you can't find it anywhere in Australia. But mm. I think there's a few websites that do sell the sherry cask for about that $150, $160 mark. Yeah. So I, if you can find it, I recommend giving it a go
1: because... That's bloody tasty. Yeah. It's where that sort of... um. But you're right with that Cavillan. Even, even some of the Indian ones we've tried, it has a... I think it's the high alcohol, alcohol percentage. It's got a... Heat and brightness to it that yeah makes me think some of those Asian yeah areas.
0: Well, shall we try the peated version number? Yeah, I suppose three and a head to head 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 head.
1: Mm. Now Nicholas didn't actually bring this one back from England. No, this with him. is
0: Teddy Boy's Whiskey. So yeah, where did you get one, this from?
1: Uncle Dan's again. Yep, yep. And so another. But is it
0: still a cask strength?
1: It certainly is.
0: Yeah. So. Um, this is not this exact batch, but I've tried a cask strength pitted from um, the distillery, and you know what? They don't ferment pitted malt at that distillery. Okay. They mature their whiskey in ex LaFroy casks. Ah. And I, I don't even know if it was Lafroy, but I kind of read between the lines to figure out Lafroy. Yeah, but okay. it's a very much a famous Isla whiskey that donates their barrels.
1: And they stick it in those barrels. Yeah, you tend to you tend to find barrel peated whiskies, mm. Lafroy's. It just seems to be a thing that. Yep. We've we've had Tasmanian... They must
0: have a bunch of barrels just kicking around. Yeah,
1: we've so. we've had Tasmanian peated barrel peated whiskies that have been Lefroys. Mm. So they from a f- couple of different distilleries even. So. yeah,
0: So they've bourbon matured um, a certain amount of whiskey, and then
1: they've transferred it to these ex peated casks. Barrel peating. Well, peating a whiskey using ex peated barrels is different to peating the grain directly. It it's
0: very different. Yeah. yeah. It's, in, it's in some in some cases possibly better option.
1: Mm. It gives you sort of a a veneer of peat that yeah. sits over the top rather than being fully integrated and you just get the some of the good characteristics without losing the spirit character. Yeah, yeah, and the body of the, the the spirit underneath.
0: What do you think of the whiskey, Ted?
1: It's good, biscuity, toasty. It's yeah, the no the nose is nice. It's it's warming.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, it is it is quite pleasing because um the thing with um barrel peating is you can take your own character which is they've they've got down we know that, mm. and then you can add it to peated whiskey which we know is good Isla yeah mm, blend them together. Whereas some people that blend that distill their own peated malt, that's the first time they've distilled peated malt mm. and they're using barrels, they're not sure work with it. And then yeah. you get this sort of, eh, I don't know if that really works. So if you can take your own non-peated spirit and then add it to this peated barrel, it's probably a good way to well, create it, a decent it's product. It's exactly
1: what they've done because you can definitely taste underneath that it's it's that same Cotswold spirit. Mm. It's got that... Same juicy fruitiness to it, but yep. it's got this really nice overlay of peat.
0: So, when I was at the distillery, this was the list that I made of my favourite Scotch yes, uh, whiskey rankings. So, in my love category, and there are quite a few.
1: Am I in your love category? Oh, you,
0: you've never left <laughs> it, Ted. You've never left it. So, the two that we tried previously, the Sherry and the Reserve, and there were two other whiskies, but then also the peated, the one that we're trying right now. Yep. Say so the triple cask, which was a blend between peated port and bourbon.
1: Okay, so was did that have just a little bit of peat sitting in there, and it was just most, a little bit, yeah.
0: But, and that was also a rarer. Like I couldn't buy a bottle of that because mm. it had been sold out. It was just one of those experimental ones. And also the bourbon cask, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just sort of had a sweet and honeyed, sort of fudgy note, but it was still thick and syrupy. Um, so that was in the, the Peter range. And then the really like category was the Signature. I really liked it. Yep. And we've talked about that a bunch. And then there was the dislike category. There are a few that I dislike. Dislike category. Okay. And you, okay. Would, you would not cast, believe this. Cast shade. The ones that I did not like were the X, red wine cask, which was called the Founders. You've, Maybe it was called the Founders.
1: But I will say that you have always had a slightly complicated, complex relationship with red wine. Oh, there's been some cask. terrible ones. Yeah. Whiskey and like uh, you've you've always there's been this thing where you've you've in some whiskeys you've found this particular soapy note, as yeah. you like to call it. I
0: didn't necessarily go soapy, but I certainly thought that it tasted like what I've mucked around with in sort of um sticking staves in spirit. Like it was okay. just yeah, so I just did not like it at all. And you know the worst one of all? Mm. The pork cask.
1: Really? Yep. You're you're a bit of a podcast fiend.
0: Did not like it. Did not like oh, it. Oh, that's at all. that's disappointing. Yeah, so it was just like it and it had a good nose, like it, it presented quite well, but I mean it was a more it was a subtle nose, but then you hit the palate and it was just too much and maybe that's where the soapiness came in. It was just like drinking port. and
1: uh, She had a beautiful nose, but the moustache underneath was a bit much.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, no, this is it. It's like, a hey, whiskey, that was beautiful, until you start having a conversation with them. Yeah. Is there a Cotswold whiskey that you've tried here that you don't like?
1: No. They're all pretty good, aren't they? Yeah, they're all pretty good. Compared, so it's been very interesting. Dartmoor felt very sort of mm, amateur. Yep. It was, yeah. It was a bit of a... A uh, startup one, someone tinkering around around in the back shed. They've not quite got it right. They've had to put it out early maybe to get a bit of money. Cotswolds feels very slick, very yeah. professional, and very much on the money. Yeah. I I've, I have full confidence that this is, yeah, good shit.
0: And um, they have a wonderful visitor experience as well. Yeah, great spot. Just don't drive into any potholes on the way in. Well, well English whiskey, Ted. Um, I think we um, I think we've progressed the outro right now. What do you reckon?
1: <laughs> yeah, let's do yeah, it. Let's
0: call this an outro, folks. Thanks very much for listening in on this episode. It's been good fun. Um, have you got any conclusions to draw?
1: Cotswolds for me. When we tried that, the the um signature. Yeah. yeah. When we first when we, when we first got it in Australia from Uncle Dan's and we were like
2: ha, 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 <laughs> English whiskey English
1: whiskey <laughs> ha, this is going to be great we're going to spit all over it and it's going to be like we're going to be out to report to our listeners that we, we tried some English whiskey and it was terrible and we 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 love all the other whiskeys much much more than that one and then we tried it we're like man this is really good actually this is really good this, this is, per- is
0: hard to dislike have you dear listener, tried any English whiskey? Have you tried some The English? Have you tried any Adnams? Have you tried, I don't know, The Lakes? Bimba? Like, what do you recommend? Obviously, we've had a bit of a dive into Cotswolds today. We've talked about Dartmoor, but what do you recommend? Is there something that's going to change the world? Or,
1: are you like most Britons and think that the British distilling scene should stick to gin? Yes.
0: (laughs) Well, let's find out. As the years go on, I very deliberately titled this episode, English Whiskey, Part 1. Um, Ted, but before we finish up, there was a type of uh, New Zealand uh, <laughs> I was bird that you need to try and uh, pronounce.
1: <laughs> there was, there was a There was a promise made. And so... <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm ready.
1: Our faithful companion for many years has been our carrier pigeon. Yeah. He delivers mail far and wide. He, he, he brings our words from us to you on his, on his uh, velvety grey wings. <laughs> he brings your words back to us. He brings us your, um, your post bags back to us. And his name is Captain Keraru. No, 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 that was <laughs> terrible. I thought it was pretty good. Captain, his name is Captain Keraru. Still pretty it's, bad, I think.
0: Uh, it just sounds like Scottish with rolling the R's. Kereroo. Kereroo.
1: Kereroo. 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 Yeah, you've got
0: it, yeah. Yeah,
1: Captain Kereroo.
0: If you're, if you're used to bouncing your R's around on your tongue, then you might be able to say it. Us classless
1: Australians cannot do it. Well, is it, it's quite a good one, actually, because it works when you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> right, my main name is Captain Kereroo. Is it
0: Captain... <laughs> Clue cloo, cloo.
1: Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: folks. Until the next time, Teddy Boy, until we talk about English whiskey once again.
1: Indeed, or any other whiskey, because I hope in between talking about English whiskey, we will talk about some other things as yeah, well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And then we'll find out that one day that English whiskey has changed the shape of its leaves
1: once again <laughs> thank you Attenborough yeah
0: <laughs> cheers cheers man we
1: shall we shall end there on those majestic notes keep on waffling and good night <laughs>
0: Whiskey Waffle recommends you drink whiskey responsibly and only if you're above the legal drinking age in your country. Our lawyers made us say that. Or at least, they would have if we actually had lawyers. When I was saying there was no juicy juice juice juiceness on the nose, there is juicy juice juice juiceness (laughs) on the palate. And I wonder how many times I can squeeze that in. Squeeze that in. Before the
2: end of this little review.